Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. This is the internet's only college football podcast. We are here to uh, review the week that was. I believe we are coming out of, uh, what, week three? We counting at that? Mm, close. Uh, week two? If you colder. count week zero? Yes. We're, that was week zero, yes. Oh, boy. So that, week zero, one, two, three. Well, that was week 0.4. Thank you. Anyway, it was the week that had the only thing I really want to talk about. You're doing great, sweetie. When it comes to college football, which is UCLA, Washington State. That is the only game I want to talk about. Did something happen? Listener, something did. Someone threw nine touchdowns in a college football game. Nine. Wow. How many points did that team win by? Here's the spoiler. They didn't. Huh? (laughs) I can't even keep a straight face for the joke. They didn't. If wow. ever there were a school destined to top Connor Halliday's 89 throws in a losing effort, it was going to be Washington State again. Nine TDs in a losing effort. The only game that mattered between uh, two teams with national title aspirations? Oh, certainly not. Well, I, mean, I was the team that defeated this nine-touchdown team, this team must be incredible, right? Uh, no, they're UCLA under Chip Kelly, who thus far have been an anemic offense so bad as to make even professional watchers of the sport wonder if this is the same human who coached football in Oregon 10 years ago. Well, we don't know who he is. And like considering the uh, the rate at which cells replace themselves, none of us are the same people. You know, it's over Chip a certain... Kelly's teeth, but that's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's the teeth. Well, let me tell you what. He certainly had some bite on Saturday night. God slash damn you. Sunday morning, buddy. Y'all, trust me. Because it was a humdinger of a game. I want to be clear that I'm actually asking for God to damn you. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Okay. Um, that That's acceptable. Are we going to discuss things like Georgia Notre Dame? No. No. You know why? Because Georgia's boring. Gross. Notre Dame is boring. If you all want to throw three-yard drag routes and call that quality football, that's fine. Couldn't be us. No. Every single uh, Georgia was even making memes of like Notre Dame said that game was physical, and it's like, yeah, no shit, we saw it. That that was all it had going for it was physicality. That's, like, do you mean physicality in the sense of there it took were place on the physical plane? Yeah, there were bodies, and they were playing football. Yeah. Like Which we if, can't even if, prove we weren't there. If all I wanted was physical, I would watch that sport where two Russian guys slap each other as hard as they can, right? Like. <laughs> If we weren't just pure physicality, yeah. I, I also would like to see people running. That's fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun to watch people running, especially if they change directions. I enjoy watching Georgia do this. At one point in the third or fourth quarter, they go, fine, fine. We'll throw the ball downfield. And Jake, and Jake Fromm throws like three stunning, perfect, accurate passes downfield to receivers who make balletic acrobatic catches and then they stop doing that that's it yeah so fuck that game uh yeah a, a, as noted in the top whatever newsletter which you dear podcast reader can subscribe to the read option at banner society.com uh the, the georgia has a cool stadium lights thing it's too cool for georgia that's the problem yeah like yeah. like Spooky georgia baptist hell dream georgia's false claiming like 
And I know at the in this week's hip hop news, we learned that every single person alive is a blood. Georgia mm-hmm. is excluded from this. So let's get Kirby, all that red. Kirby Smart is a nitrate blood. Crippy Smart. Let's get all that red wow. out of there, Georgia, <laughs> and like settle down. You're 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 past your. It isn't cool with all the devil lights. So, uh, but yeah, that was the one good innovation from this game is that football stadiums can do that now. Yeah. The the thing, by the way, from BannerSociety.com, our excellent website and online community for all things college football and beyond. Um, the one thing I think you should subscribe to is our Twitch channel, which as of late has been dominated by Bud. Uh, I've been slacking on there, but I, I think you should follow at uh, Twitch.tv slash BannerSociety. Bud has been dominating. I think Bud did a three-hour gambling show. Jesus Christ. Today? Yeah, yeah every, every Sunday, Bud's on there. You know, buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. You know, as as they roll in, I like Spencer. Have we talked on here about the different crowds that you and him get on there? Like the different screen names alone, and how telling those are. are? We do. We those do. are all like Banana Dude four twenty sixty nine. Yeah, I get Banana Dude four twenty sixty nine. Right, I get guys who are like, uh, I get guys who are like, uh, John Paul. Uh, who was the Sartre name that we got on here? It's like Dog Paul Sartre. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's who I get. I get like arch and very niche college football meta jokes. And Bud gets like Fish Guy 19. <laughs> football better one. <laughs> yeah, the guy who got football better one. You're like, whoa, not football better nine three eight five but one damn <laughs> it is dude. funny because like i don't know how many grown-ups there are on twitch so like you and bud might be the only ones you know so like, i think you two are responsible for everyone else on there we have to cultivate them we have to bring them along <laughs> so that's cool yeah you could do that or the other thing i really enjoy uh that we do it you, you know you might want to check out our nfl podcast papn yeah you might want to yeah that is uh, as strong an endorsement as we are uh, allowed to give while remaining inside uh, canon, inside character, is to say uh, that, you know, it exists. Yeah, it's fine. I would also like to point out another extremely important story in all of this, which is that uh, speaking of guiding the youth, I think that it's important to take those who have only been football fans for a couple of years and to give them the veteran sheen, to give them the veneer of experience sang-froid and composure that they might otherwise not have um i'm speaking to you ucf fans okay um because as new as you are to football uh and as volatile as you feel you have to be from week to week in defending the valor of your school let me tell you that you don't because some things are eternal okay the reaper comes for us all and you know who else comes for us all pit motherfucking pit pit yeah you have the 2017 national title. They can never take that away from you because they never actually gave it to you. That's <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. New trick. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, you you scheduled pit, you fools. Uh, my single favorite thing about this game um, is that Pat and Ar- Well, first of all, let me back up. Obviously, this was a classic pitting in every way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex and I worked up a blog ex- sort of explaining the Death Star super weapon joke for anyone just now being on boarded and showing the, the recent history all the way back to like Larry Fitzgerald of Pitt beating teams despite on the field during the game outside of specific stars like Larry Fitzgerald, 
Daryl, you know, Aaron, like the, the, the random superstars that Pitt gets outside of those guys. When Pitt pulls this off, beats a top 20 team, it is not Pitt in the process of looking like a top 10 team. It is Pitt in the process of making the other team look like the unranked team. Pitt just makes everyone Pitt. Um, in this game, the best thing was coming to the end and Pat Narduzzi, who we, we and everyone else made endless fun of last week for a cowardly, shameful fourth down call, clanking a field goal that he didn't even need against like their second most hated rival, their most hated mm-hmm. rival that they currently play, right? Yeah. And then a week later, we learned what he had in the bag the whole time, and he chose to spring it on a, uh, a skate park that got accredited in 2016 mm-hmm. instead of using it against the actual rival. That's awesome. Instead That's awesome. Of, instead of Penn State. No, we'll we'll just go ahead and see if we can beat them one field goal at a time. UCF comes to town, <laughs> throw out throw out the records. Time to empty the fucking playbook. Empty like, the playbook. A state title. Nah, we've done that before. They, they couldn't even think of a really original name for it, which I love about Pat Narduzzi, that the name of that play is, it's a variation on Philly Special, right? Which in itself is not an original play. You know, no. that's that's it's been around for a minute, but it's called Philly Special. It's so, been around for a minute. You know what? Some of Transitions lenses, but they did Pat Narduzzi proud yesterday. That's right. And a Floby. Convince Pat Narduzzi is one of those guys who cuts his hair with a Floby. Real short, but he just hooks it up to the vacuum cleaner and lets uh, science do the rest when it comes to what's left of his hair. Anyway. Just listens to some books on tape. Yeah. Uh, Pat Narduzzi, when asked what it was called, I was like, it's going to be called Pit Special. Say it, Pat. <laughs> Do it. And he's like, I call it Pit Special. <laughs> yes! And that, like, it, it's so good. People were joking that it would be called that before he even said it, right? Like, people were like, I bet they call it Pittsburgh Special. No, no. That's a little too artsy. It's literally just <laughs> the, uh, the common name of the university. <laughs> I, I think my theory is that he has never heard of the Philly Special. He's never heard of Philadelphia, never heard of the Eagles, the Super Bowl, none of that. No. He, he thought, you know, this, well, it's a special play, and we're Pitt. You know what Pat Narduzzi was doing during that Philly New England Super Bowl? Grinding tape on UCF. You know what he was doing the entire offseason? Grinding tape on UCF. Did he watch any on Penn State? No. Did he watch any on the rest of the opponents that Pitt will face in the 2019 football season? No. All he's been preparing for is this UCF game because that's what Pat Narduzzi does. He sits, he picks one game on the schedule, and he's like, boys, heads are being taken on this day. Not on this one, and not on this one, and probably not for several months afterwards, but on this day. It's like you you reach for the stars, and if you miss, you might land on James Franklin. Yeah, that's Yeah, just hoping to kill him accidentally. If you miss, you might land on the moon, and where do we fire things that land on the moon? Well, Orlando comes close. So, yeah. Does this sort of explain Pitt all along back to the Wanstead era where like they just like on in the locker room, you know, the countdown clock, like minutes until next game, whatever with Pitt. It's like a game in week nine. Yeah. Here and there in February working out toward. Oh, my God. They're in it. They're interstellar. Yeah. Usually when you have a game like this, though. It is, no, Pitt is a planet where time moves differently. It is. They've only focused. He's like, what? <laughs> We've got, I have plenty of time to prepare for that. No, on this That's planet. That's why you got to eat a three egg sandwich for breakfast. That's true. It's got to last you 300 years. This is, by the way, also 
not the classic underdog game, right? That takes UCF out of any, we don't have to worry about them anymore, right? Like, thank you, Pitt. We, we no longer have to say, oh, UCF just keeps winning. And, you know, the big boys in the sport, like anyone in this sport does anything in a coordinated fashion, right? Like, there's just the powers that be that don't want UCF to be great. You know, it, dude, the powers that be are concerned with getting a box Fiesta Bowl and getting a junket. That's it. That's all they're concerned about. The truth is so much sadder than you even know, right? But this was not the standard kind of upset where you go, oh, Pitt had like 11 first downs and UCF had like nine turnovers. No, no. Do you know which team had 30 first downs? Pitt. (laughs) Steamroller Pitt, who could only manage 10 points against Penn State, right, in their previous matchup. So my favorite stat from this game is here are UCF's explosive plays, and this might not be a comprehensive list. This is counting... Uh, special teams as well 87 yards 65 yards 50 yards 41 yards 36 yards 28 yards so on and so forth you see it like UCF was doing an amazing job of courting a pass rush and then bombing it over everyone who sent the pass rush just all day long receivers clearly more athletic than anyone they're facing uh Pitt meanwhile <laughs> Pitt's explosive plays 24 yards 22 yards. That's it. 11. (laughs) That counts. That was it. Pitt had 30 first downs, y'all. They outgained UCF. They straight up beat them. I know you're the national champions, and guess what? You got outclassed by the champions of the week, the Pitt Panthers. (laughs) Give Pitt the weekly national title. Nah, I heard that as champions of the week with an A. Yeah, Please send emails uh, regarding this this exchange to at thirty eight Godfrey. They they would love that. They email would adore that account. title. Email the, his Twitter. The gods of the unworthy. He Pitt. likes it. Well, now Pitt has done their thing, and they can go back to what they're going to be very comfortable with, which is a um, thirty point loss to Duke in two yeah, weeks. Seven and five at best. I put him in the. Uh, I bumped him quote fingers up to the pinstripe ball in the weekly ball projections and uh pit fans were like i don't send us there i'm like do do you want to stay in the quick lane bowl <laughs> they might hey speaking speaking yes, of just dis- no one no one look at us just bury us in detroit speaking of underwhelming bowl games and the state of michigan uh michigan will probably make a bowl game but where do you have michigan right now so they in in mine they started in the rose, they quickly fell to the citrus, they quickly fell again. I now have them in the holiday bowl. I wish they could play UCF. <laughs> That's all. It's, I would like. I would like that. It's because you couldn't get into Michigan. That's why you hate us, UCF. UCF's like, where's Michigan? <laughs> Operating an entirely different plane. Yeah, what, Meanwhile, Michigan's like, what's a skate park? What's a skate? Is is it a park full of skates? As in the ice? Oh, like like ice skating. Yeah. They exactly. they show up to Orlando. They're like fascinating, an uncontacted tribe. Um, the, I I do actually think there's a lot of value in uh, the molly whopping that Wisconsin handed to Michigan, and by that I mean I know that final score is thirty five fourteen. Um, 
No, it it ain't that kind of thirty-five fourteen. Mm-hmm. It was thirty-five zero at one point, and that was a more accurate number. Michigan did have a couple fumbles, so something like thirty-five seven, I think, would be the most accurate. Mm-hmm. Give you the the true sense of the game, but fourteen's a little generous. Yeah, and there's not really a whole lot I can tell you to make you feel better, right? Like Jonathan Taylor had two hundred and three yards. Oh, it was Wisconsin. I bet they ran. I bet they ran him like fifty times. Nope, twenty-three carries, y'all. Yeah, so uh, Jonathan Taylor might be the best running back in college football. He leaves uh, and hit, hit for a while after hitting like 200 yards or whatever. Uh, his teammates run for about 170 anyway, excluding sacks and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan runs for 40 yards. Jack Cohn, Wisconsin's uh, towering giraffe of a quarterback, mm-hmm. broke a 25-yard touchdown run. If the end zone hadn't been there, he might have outrushed Michigan all by himself. The most he'd ever ran for in a game before was 10. <laughs> Think about like if Mike Glennon had wheels. Like actual wheels. I mean, the little ones that are on a. Oh, yeah. Like, right. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. like squeaky, crooked wheels. Correct. My favorite yeah. moment yeah. in this game was it was Wisconsin's, I don't know, third or fourth trip to the goal line. There were many to choose from. And they send big old Jack Cohn on a sweep. Not even like an option kind of thing, a straight up sweep where it's like, hey, we are sending the slowest person on the field to run really, really far to the right. And then he'll try to score. Let's see if this works. That didn't work. So we're like, oh, okay. But then he scored a 25 yard touchdown anyway. Also, a dude named Garrett who wears number 37 and is from a village of 378 people in Portage County, Wisconsin, uh, had as many rushing yards as Michigan's entire team. Wisconsin was just giving the ball to dudes with jersey numbers like 90,000 and like yeah by the way Garrett Groshek 41.8 Garrett Groshek didn't exactly set the woods on fire 40 yards so when you go oh man how like how bad are we talking 40 yards Michigan who for most of my life has been running twin tight outside inside zone an off tackle to great effect. Michigan ran for f- 40 yards. That's got to be the funniest thing about this game, right? Is like Wisconsin is everything Michigan has ever wanted to be. <laughs> at this point, yeah, they are. Like they, they had guards blocking 20 yards downfield on run plays, and you could just see the, the little like heart snapping in two. In the chest of the poor Michigan fans who I don't know what it was about this broadcast, but they were real good at finding the one Michigan fan in a sea of Wisconsin people, which, you know, that's a lot to deal with because the fumes, the fumes coming off those stands alone, things that Michigan fans would be completely unaccustomed to. The I thought so coming into this game, it was all right. Michigan looked like shit against Army. They they can't block Army. Yeah, but everyone looks like shit against Army. Well, right? so, like, I think at some point what we need to do is when teams look shitty against Army is not treat it like it's gimmick zone. Like, oh, they were in this alternate reality where nothing matters. Like, if you have glaring deficiencies against Army, those are real football problems. If you can't block Army, you can't block Wisconsin. <laughs> like, yeah. last year, last year, Army, Oklahoma, if you can't get Army off the field, guess what, Oklahoma? You're going to miss the national championship a spot in the title game because you can't get any defense off the field. Like 
bad things that happen against Army are real, as Michigan authoritatively proved. Uh, time time of possession, by the way, not a me- like not a meaningless stat. It's just one that re- it's a fact that requires a significant amount of context, you know, because uh, you might have the ball for a long time because you're just struggling to score, or you could be like Wisconsin. And you could have it for 41 minutes in this game. <laughs> it felt like more. <laughs> it felt like more. But they had it for 41 minutes. Uh, mostly because they wanted to. They thought, oh, this is cute. I like this little thing. It's no blade spheroid. Why don't we just hold it for as long as we can? Yeah. As we can. Yeah. And it wasn't even like Wisconsin's like trying to burn clock or whatever. Wisconsin's just kind of like, oh, we got to keep going. You know, like. Yeah, they, they're still they're still here, right? Yeah, I don't. I, I will say this: I know everyone has a great theory on why Michigan is the sick man of the Big Ten, right? Which I, I mean, how sick are they? They're clearly a team that could probably win eight or nine games, right? So on that, if you combined all the computer power ratings into one, the funniest team Michigan would be an underdog to would be Kansas State. So there's your. <laughs> that's a man. That's another team. That's another team that if they played them, Michigan fans would go. Ah! Yeah, yeah. I want that. I want to be. Do you see? Do you see all of Manhattan, those Kansas fullbacks and H backs and tight ends? Do you see all that power run game? But uh, I honestly, I don't. I don't know. I know everyone says, well, something must be wrong with the overall, the administration, right? Something must be wrong with the overall environment. Something must be wrong with with Harbaugh or it's Shea Patterson. Uh, y'all, I don't know. I have no clue whatsoever because this is a team that could consistently finish somewhere in the like eight to nine win range, be the third best team in their division at best, if not fourth. Right, be perfectly respectable, but be something other than what they were in terms of wins and overall prominence and being competitive because it's just, it's not there. And I do not know what it is because it's not a shortage of money. Everybody's been Ann Arbor can look around and go, okay, you're spending. That's fine. Um, it isn't a shortage of talent. Go look at the recruiting rankings. It's all there. It's not that they didn't go and get the coach that they have wanted. Uh, for quite some time, it's not as though they're all they're not all on the same page in terms of coach, administration, and boosters. They're all it all lines up, and it's not working. I either know too much or not enough, right? Because yeah. I, I land somewhere in y'all tell me. Yeah, I mean, so we had sort of come into this season expecting this to be yet another Jim Harbaugh Michigan season where it's like, this looks like a a team that could be good enough to compete in a semifinal game, you know, and and then like, they'll probably have a heartbreaking 11 and one type thing again. Uh, No, no, they're not going to get that close. No, Uh, I, I, I knew one thing. I know Shea Patterson's not working. That's not, uh, let's say it's not a fit. How about that? You try to be charitable. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to be charitable. I, th- I think what we can detect there is I'm not sure where the fit would be, but it's it's, it's not th- here. I know this ain't it, right? Yeah, this ain't and it. I know it wasn't. I know it wasn't Ole Miss, right? It was kind of Ole Miss, you know, at least on the field. <laughs> Does 14 for 32 <laughs> sound like an Ole Miss? Actually, yeah, that sounds like Ole Miss. I mean, that'd be great for Ole Miss these days. 
I mean, I know that piece when you go, hey, is that working? No, that's not working. Nobody's worked a quarterback for Harbaugh, though. I mean, Absolutely without... nobody. Well, it's been a while since there's been anything special. You can say that. At a certain point, I'm just going, you know, was it Andrew Luck or was it you? It's probably Andrew Luck. So that's Michigan. Uh, Michigan has problems that, like, without being in the room, there's no way to know. You know, uh, to me, like, if I were just writing fanfic, it would be like, you know, uh, Josh Gaddis comes in. His job is to modernize the offense. This seems like something he's completely capable of, right? Uh, And... Harbaugh says we want it modernized and then mm, do we really because we've seen this happen before at a number of schools LSU had like eight periods like this before finally deciding like yeah fuck it let's actually modernize (laughs) this was a month ago Um, so that could be going on in Michigan meanwhile at Wisconsin we know what Wisconsin is Wisconsin is maximum fucking Wisconsin Um, before the season Wisconsin's playoff odds this is going to sound hilarious. Only one month later, we're the same as Mississippi State and Miami. At the time, that made sense. Now, life has uh, intervened. There'll be significant favorites in every remaining game except for a road trip to Ohio State, which is a game they it, it, I would be likely to have a chance uh, to avenge at a neutral site a month or two later. Like, to me, the only thing you can ask of a playoff team is like, do they make every opponent look worse than they actually are? And Wisconsin is like, I don't know anyone in the country who is a more resounding 100% at that so far, even though the best team they've played is Michigan, which might be bad. But still, Wisconsin, you know, at the moment, a top five team, I, you know, probably got to be. Uh, Wisconsin can turn every game into a wasting disease. And that, to me, is is the definition of a team that, you know, is formidable. One that can turn it to whatever it wants to, right? Like, okay, are we a track meet team? You're playing a track meet, right? Um, which is kind of how I feel Clemson is. Like, I, f- I think Clemson, when they're at their best, y- you've got to score, right? Like, this is going to be a 31-30 game. Uh, Wisconsin, you, at their best, they're going to turn every game into, like, 24-20. 20, right? Like, come on. <laughs> Let's see if you can handle Jack Cone on a jet sweep. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that Wisconsin Ohio State will be fun because Ohio State's gonna want the track meet, mm-hmm. and Wisconsin's very much not. So there, there's yeah. your Big Ten fun. Hopefully, we we're, get that twice. We're not doing any cardio. No, thank, no thank you. No thank you. <laughs> no thank you, pal. <laughs> nice try. Nice, nice try. try. Here's here's Jonathan Taylor for 24 carries. Hey, Jason, I got a question for you, buddy. Uh, when's the last time you refreshed your sock drawer? You dumped out all the old ones and they had stretched yeah. out tops or holes in the toe? A sock what? You know, when you refresh your sock drawer. So what I have is more of a sock pile. Actually, it's not even a pile. It's more like a, a nomadic sort of caravan of socks. Like they, uh, they, they make their way from the washing machine to a pile n- near the dresser right yeah and it's like yeah those will, those will end up in the dresser drawer for sure you're well past time for an upgrade and let let uh-huh. let bombas upgrade you baby because bomba socks are made for, with comfort innovations like arch support seamless toe and a cushioned footbed in other words they are super they are comfortable they are bombas they come in hundreds of colors and styles there is something for everyone that includes me i have 
a pair which I believe has leopard print as part of the toe and which, um, and I have several witnesses to this, even I, an anti-sockite, really will actually keep them on my feet for longer than three seconds. I think that's the only pair of socks I've seen you wear. Yeah. I put as few things on my feet as possible, unless it's Bomba socks. This is actually very true. Yeah. This is uh... The thing I find most comfortable about them is that I don't want to burst in the flame when I put them on. They are comfortable, nay, warm when I need them to be, but never super hot and sweaty. Do you breathe through your feet? Do you have foot gills? I, as a foot gilled human, appreciate the ventilation and support of a good Bombas sock. Buy Bombas today at bombas.com slash shutdown. Put that in. You get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash shutdown for 20% off bombas.com slash shutdown. This is Kara Swisher. I want to tell you about my podcast, Recode Decode. Every week, we have candid, in-depth conversations with people like Elon Musk, Nancy Pelosi, and Kathy Griffin. We talk about how they got to where they are today and how their work is changing our world. New episodes of Recode Decode are released every Monday and Wednesday, and we often have bonus episodes on Friday. Subscribe for free to be the first to hear them on Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. So we we touched on UCLA Wazoo. I do not get the sense we're actually done discussing that game. Is that is that we are not say? done discussing okay. this game? <laughs> good, we will good. never be done discussing. This Just game. like the game itself, we are nowhere near done. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, the late slate looked good, but I sort of thought that, and this was the initial uh, script for the game, that we were going to get four quarters of wazoo just setting off fireworks right we were going to get nothing but an artillery display from from the cougs against an overmatched ucla team that i think they're hot what they're have they scored more than 14 points this season has uh, that happened <laughs> let me pull it up right now it, it not because enough, so I, I will let you know in the third quarter, the score with a they had bat. scored fourteen exactly fourteen points in every game to this point. <laughs> that is correct, and <clears throat> with six fifty six left in the third quarter, <laughs> not six fifty six gone, six fifty six left in the third quarter. The score in this game was forty nine seventeen, forty nine. 17. That's right. That's a 32-point lead. And then in a 4-minute and 20-second span uh, through a series of misadventures, muff punts, and excellent offensive production by UCLA and deplorable defense by Wazoo, UCLA peeled off 28 points in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. So that the fourth quarter became a genuine track meet highlighted by punt return touchdowns. Fumbles, more fumbles, uh, going forward on fourth down, not getting it, and then having Wazoo fumble it back. In all of this, by the way, Anthony Gordon threw nine TDs. Nine. Nine. An insane night for Anthony Gordon. And he lost. Wazoo had seven. No, he didn't lose. Uh, no, he, <laughs> he was part of a losing team. Yes. Chip Kelly given up and left for dead with the quarterback that 
uh, was also sort of abandoned out on the ways with him. Uh, who, by the way, like Beth Moens, there are certain great calls, but Dorian Thompson Robin, Robbins, him saying, uh, or like Beth Moens saying DTR over and over and over again. Beth was having a night. Beth was having a great night, man. I think she'd called enough, like, Big Ten noon games. She, she sounds so palpably relieved, I was going to say, not to be competing with the sweet life of Zach and Cody. Yeah. <laughs> not just, no offense to ABC affiliate stations around the country. Yeah, but but freed and given the joy of the narcotic that is Pac-12 after dark at its purest, which would be, what, a, a, a 49-46 third quarter? Right, race to the finish between uh, two teams that will end up being 67-63 based off of like random chance misadventure, misadventure and mindless aggression. Yeah, she was having one, man. Yeah, she can put some. She can put some real volume on the call. DTR, DTR, like there's this this underlying volume to it. Yeah. To me, like this was. If you took someone from, a, you know, five, six, whatever years ago and told him, all right, so Chip Kelly's at UCLA now. He's going up to face Mike Leach and Pullman. And you say, you're going to get a 130-point spectacular, one of the greatest comebacks in football history. They're like, of course I am, right? Yeah. But we've been through so much that uh, a lot of people had totally given up on ever seeing this kind of game from Chip Kelly ever again. Uh and that's where Mike Leach comes in, man, because Mike Leach has a way of just he, he'll turn a game against anybody to some 75 to, you know, 60, whatever, uh, hoedown. So shout out to Mike Leach for his role in this, for having an offense that uh, just never quits in, in a very different way from Wisconsin, a way actually conducive to the opponent continuing to participate. Um at the time this podcast goes up, we should have a post by Alex Kirshner on making the case that this is the greatest comeback in football history. Uh, I will confess we did not look at the high school level because that's yeah. too much. But college football history, the case is actually pretty solid. Unless you want to give the 19-whatever Buffalo Bills extra points because they're in the NFL. uh it's a pretty solid case that this is the best, uh, you could say, major football comeback ever. Once you account for, you know, time left on the clock and what, like, like the Michigan State Northwestern is technically the biggest comeback ever. It was like 06. How hard is it to hold Northwestern scoreless for 30 minutes? It's not very hard in any season ever. Whereas yeah. in this game, you got to hold a, a, like, peak Mike Leach offense to no more than 14 points over the course of 25 yeah, that's, minutes that's, that's where, hard that's, that's where we're at in this game though is that you know, go oh man so like wazoo fell apart down the stretch they scored 28 points in the half that wazoo was, kept playing their game they just kept continued as normal yeah they did turn the ball over six times yeah six times they lost <laughs> that's pretty fumbles. that's pretty normal <laughs> four i like I enjoyed people attempting to find some kind of grand strategic turning point in this game because I think that um, it would be very comforting to everyone if you said, well, the coach said this and then this happened and then we can blame this person, right? And that is not, (laughs) it is just not 
It's not applicable to this game. When people said, well, they shouldn't have gone for it there. There are no correct strategic decisions when you are dealing with two offenses and defenses that are incapable of stopping them. It's not, there's nothing to be done. There are no correct or wrong decisions. So there's the second worst thing I heard last night next to the guy who's like, don't take this game seriously. Yeah, I mean, I'm not Fuck telling you, you. I'm not telling you to not take it seriously. You really shouldn't take any of it that seriously. <laughs> right? Uh, but I'm also but saying. the notion that this game was somehow frivolous. Or just looking for offended me. Now, if you said, "Man, I can't really make heads or tails of this game," that is correct. correct. It's heads or tails. This game is Anton Chigurh saying, "What's the most you've ever lost on the flip of a coin?" Because ultimately, if you're nine sprinting, touchdowns, yeah, this, you're this game is this game is heads with tails and and yeah. <laughs> arms arms growing out of throats and and like I have I have seven legs now. This is Ghidorah, <laughs> King Ghidorah. I have phantom pain from my missing third arm. <laughs> this is the this is the Hideo Kojima game. Anything can happen, and none of it will make sense. None of it. More, and, more, and, more like everything will happen. <laughs> yeah, like, all of it at the same time. It is my favorite kind of game because the question is not why. The question is why not. <laughs> at all points, the question is why not. For instance, at at one point, junior detectives decided that. Chip Kelly going for it on fourth and five from Wazoo 17 did not make sense because you could kick a field goal. Bullshit. Why are you even <laughs> thinking about three points when you're dealing with this offense? It's not it's not gonna save you, especially with 238 left on the clock, right? It's just not. You know what happened on the next series? Wazoo got it, and Aesop Winston fumbled. That gave the ball back to UCLA. Who then promptly scored with a minute seven left? And what did everyone think? A minute seven. Okay, that's time for three more touchdowns. It wouldn't faith, have mattered. Faith in UCLA's defense shines through yet again. So uh, Washington State's defense on the year giving up 6.2 yards per play. Uh, it, it looked better than that before this game. Uh, but uh, yeah. You can you can convert a fourth down against the defense giving up six point two yards per play. Go ahead and take those free yards, get you more than three points. Yeah, don't try to make sense. Don't try to don't try to go ahead and pick out ah generalissimo did this and the other generalissimo failed. Yeah, no. it wasn't like a Chip Kelly halftime speech. Like imagine a Chip Kelly halftime speech. It's like, well, don't okay. bother me. <laughs> Did it? Did everybody? Everybody pee in their in their nano nano cups? Yeah, no. He. You have to talk to him through the iPad. <laughs> you have to FaceTime him from inside the locker room. Please rate the cleanliness of our football program. <laughs> right, like the bathrooms at Hartsfield. Right, just hit the smiley face. Yeah, the little yeah. queen. Head coach Amazon Prime. Yeah. Well, guess what? They delivered. Not so, same day. <laughs> <laughs> they did it, it was quick it was shockingly quick the uh i mean i did see people saying like tactically ucla looked streamlined and simplified um cutting down on motions and shifts was the thing i saw mentioned um so like that's that's a little thing sure but yeah it wasn't like you know chip kelly got up there and um if we win this one i'm gonna learn your names or anything like that no no there's no time for that names are distractions no, we but but by the way, DTR, five hundred yards, five TDs, fifty-seven yards in the ground, two rushing touchdowns, 
something clicked. I mean, yeah. whatever. I don't think you do that. Like, think about it. If you come out and you say, well, he's only going to be half as productive next game. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. A mere <laughs> 300 yard total day. Guess what? I think the next game is going to go pretty well because they're facing Arizona. And uh, I think he's going to keep it going because they're facing Oregon State after that. Uh, can I can I hit you with Colorado's some coming up soon? I, I mean, DTR's got some numbers ahead of him. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm actually legit excited for Montez v DTR. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah, Mel Tucker in the shorts over on the sidelines. It's got excited. Chip, oh, did we Chip is, wear shorts? Can we sidebar into a Mel Tucker shorts discussion for the evening? Mel Tucker shorts. Yeah, Mel Tucker. They. I like that Colorado's official Twitter account. Like got him got a video of him saying like, "Hey man, look good, coach. Good." <laughs> <laughs> they were and they were not typically a flattering cut of shorts. They were like a kind of like a stovepipe Bermuda type short, but it it worked because he's kind of like a blocky. He, he's a blocky dude, and they yeah. were like they were well proportioned. Coaches aren't good at pants, uh, yeah. is what I'm saying. You may rewind a couple episodes and listen to us talk about uh, PJ Flex tactical yoga bootlegs, uh, but yeah, Mel Tucker rocking the shorts game with Elon. Yeah, it, he looks. It, is the lesson here that coaches are bad at pants, so they should wear as little pants as possible? Yeah, or tiny flowing pants. caftans. We, well, the coaching moo moo. <laughs> I think. I mean, Chip. Chip, by the way, Chip Kelly was wearing pajamas. I saw more than <laughs> I saw more than five people on on the timeline on Saturday night, Sunday morning, going, "Man, Chip's wearing some PJs, and he looks comfy oh, as hell." Oh, that was me. <laughs> no, there were more people Chip's who were like, jammies. "Yeah, Chip's yeah. jammies." Yeah, the tactical jammies. Time well, to put time late. to put Wazoo to sleep. This is my tactical loungewear. Yeah. This has now freed up Bill Belichick to just wear cutoffs. He's just going to wear cutoff garbage bags on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, just a bag. Yeah, because if you've holes. ever if you've ever seen any of the articles talking about what Bill Belichick wears, whatever he rolls out on the sidelines on on Sundays is the nicest thing he has. Because according to everyone around him, what he goes to practice in is much worse. <laughs> So Mel Tucker looked good in the shorts. Belichick's going to come out there in a pair of like drawstring burlap shorts. It's going to happen. Belichick shows up in the tater thought costume. That (laughs) (laughs) it was the only only clothes I could find. It was fine. It was on the floor. I tore the sleeves off. That's it. He would, he'll just go with whatever somebody sends him. Right. So this is how you get somebody on the sidelines and like, he'll be wearing a pair of floral chubbies. Right. (laughs) <laughs> they're fine they're surplus that's how i ended up that's how i ended up that's how he'll end up wearing internet shirts on the sidelines right <laughs> they, cover, too, they, they cover my skin they're two sizes too small so his belly sticking out like a toddler <laughs> right uh-huh. somebody got it for me on instagram i don't know the well, whatever the he, he's got to do the yeah he's got to do the old guy thing where he pretends he doesn't know what social networks are the, the face to gram on the, on the insta face Instaface shirt that I'm wearing. Yeah. By Um, the way, we wrote about strength schedule this week uh, and how it's all bullshit. Uh, Why does no one ever say the New England Patriots should be a sixth seed because they didn't play nobody in the regular season? Why do we only do that shit in our sport? Because the NFL manages to avoid that with the semblance of credibility by saying, oh, well, you know, like... I can do that because we have playoffs, right? Like endless playoffs with proper seating and everybody plays everybody. 
we just got to figure out how to brand like New Mexico State as if they're as good comparably as the Miami Dolphins, right? Like, yep, everyone counts. Everyone counts exactly the same. Are you giving UCF fans too much power again? That's fine. I'm totally fine with them. Uh, I, right. I never, I never minded their behavior. All right. Honestly. UCF <laughs> fans like challenge accepted. I, I uh, wanted. I, actually, how about this, UCF fans? Here's what I want from you. I want from you to change nothing. I want you to say we won our conference. Only one loss. It was a good loss. Title. I want you. This I is want true. You to argue for a playoff spot at twelve and one. Yes. You will actually have my respect. Let me transition to a game we have not discussed by also using social media and people uh, as a fan base responding negatively at 7.24 p.m. <laughs> shortly after the conclusion of Texas A&M's loss to Auburn. All right. Uh, which, again, A&M, after being a, oh, man, this is a potential national title like teams, Kellen Mond, Jimbo's going to get this thing together. It's all happening, man. It is all happening. Um, they've lost twice. They weren't competitive against Clemson. And truth be told, for a certain point, the Auburn game was also a foregone conclusion. Uh, Auburn just running the ball, controlling pace of game, generally being a, a, a serious problem for anybody looking for an interesting and competitive football contest with AM. Uh, A&M never really managed to show up. So with two losses, and shortly after the conclusion of this game, uh, Kevin Sumblin, <laughs> currently coach. Him? Yeah, yeah, after the 28-20, by the way, not that close. Like, not even close. That, that, that does not reflect it. This was not a competitive football game for most of it, and is masked by a 17-point fourth quarter. Which Auburn had already shut down for, for the most part. Booby Whitlow, by the way, Jatarvius, looked great. Like, he is, he's, in order for Auburn to function, they need a stubborn running back who's going to take, like, the 30 dives up the middle that Gus Malzahn's going to give them, and he's more than capable of doing that. He's going to need a cool nickname, too. Yeah. Uh, but after that, shortly after the conclusion of that game, Kevin Sumlin just tweeted out, the eyes emoji, <laughs> just the, like wide open eyes, and just let it sit. Just Joe, oh, hey, just take a gander at that. <laughs> Which was like, why is this the game you choose to do? Are you going to do this every time they lose, or is there something about this one that was specifically uh, moving and ironic in some way to him? Like, why was this the game to subtweet? A game in which you, I believe, were a home underdog anyway. Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm, Kevin Sumlin's mind is a mysterious place. I also like that he did this on a weekend in which two of his quarterbacks who transferred out away from him started against each other in the NFL. Same weekend. Uh, a lot going on. A lot going on with yeah. Kevin Sumlin. When yeah. is it not? Didn't didn't even wait, by the way, for Arizona State to lose to Mel Tucker, his shorts, and the Colorado Buffaloes, right? Nope. Just went ahead and fired this off at his former employer. The mentions, by the way, complete trash fire of unflattering box scores from previous Aggie losses oh, under Kevin sure, Sumlin. Because I'm sure Kevin Sumlin's mentions are so calm and sedate on a good Usually, day. Usually, yeah. I'm sure he has a wonderful time online. Yeah, there was, uh, there, there's like our very own Lucas Jackson, cool, uh, from uh, 
good bull hunting, included the 45-44 UCLA box score. There again, UCLA just going off for massive amounts of points in a comeback. A good couch is the cornerstone of a solid college football Saturday at home, and today's sponsor of the shutdown fullcast, Burrow, is here to make sure you don't make any foundational errors that undermine your success. Let's talk durability. Burrow uses naturally scratch and stain-resistant fabrics, so you won't be thrown off if you spill a beverage or transform out of nowhere into a giant hybrid man leopard. Let's talk versatility, leg finishes, armrest styles, optional ottomans, and chaise lounges. You design the Burrow couch that works for your space. Let's talk power. These couches have built-in USB chargers, so you don't have to string a cord across your coffee table to the other wall and create a guaranteed tripping hazard. If you say that's never happened to you, you are either a liar or a former college hurdles specialist. Get $75 off a new sofa and free one-week shipping at burrow.com slash shutdown. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash shutdown for $75 off a new sofa. Hello, listener. I'm Sean Ramos from host of Today Explained, Vox's daily news podcast. Every day, Monday through Friday, my team and I look at what's happening in the world. We pick one essential news story that defines our moment and ask smart people to help us understand it in about 20 minutes or less. It's the perfect way to start or end your day. Subscribe to Today Explained for free on Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. It's from Stitcher and the Vox Media Podcast Network. Uh, at least the rest of the SEC West had a really good time. Uh, <laughs> About that, <laughs> were there a couple? Uh, a couple. Speaking of so- social media, right? Social media, Silicon you heard Valley. Heard about this social media? So, folks, have we heard about the social media? We've talked about it. The Instagram face chart. All this stuff. Where is it based? Silicon Valley, the Bay Area, right? The Bay Area keeps doing in the SEC West. I, I feel like this was a theme throughout Saturday because, <laughs> uh, well, uh, UC Berkeley went down to the University of Mississippi in Oxford where a, an old Miss fan declared them to be communists. And uh, <laughs> and like most armed conflict between capitalists and communists. Which easy mistake to make. Guess who won? <laughs> it, it went on forever. It came down yeah. to a... Uh, a confusing, confusing ruling, and then the capitalists just sort of retreated. Yeah. That's, hey, when you lose the courts, you've lost the republic. Yeah, the capitalists went and started posting online about how unfair the whole thing was. <laughs> Weird. You say communists won a team sport, huh? <laughs> yeah, they, uh, I, the other awesome thing about this game, um, other than... <laughs> A team being called communists. Yeah, you co- no, no, no. <laughs> Include the full quote, please. What did they say? Like, I don't know. Fuck you, like you a- communist motherfuckers. <laughs> that was a quote from someone in the stands who yelled it loud enough for it to be heard on national television. <laughs> of course, as noted in the in the readoption, uh, Ole Miss is literally on NCAA probation right now for redistributing too much wealth. <laughs> That's what I said. Easy mistake to make. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some cultural similarities between these two uh, institutions. But not only do we have that, um, and not only do we have more SEC West schadenfreude, which is always delicious, we had the same conference that officiated the biggest officiating debacle of the weekend so far, which would be 
the Utah USC game, a complete ref show. Like it, it was like the opposite of a wrestling match where the, the the ref loses control of the tag team. It was like the tag teams losing control of the refs, right? Like every single play a 15 yard uh, performance. It just so happens that when Cal came to town to Oxford, they brought the guest refs with them. <laughs> Pac-12 refs made the weekend's most controversial call in Oxford, and it, uh, well, it benefited a Cal team. I do not read malice in that because no. I don't think Pac-12 refs are man, smart enough to have a in, plan. In, incompetence explains this so much better than malice because, one, not entirely clear Pac-12 refs, no Cal's in the Pac-12. <laughs> Two, um... At least they didn't put up what I think is the worst scandal, which is a 27 penalty performance for over 237 or 237 yards in the Utah and USC game, including a few calls which aren't there. There's just a couple of pass interference calls that are not there, and there's a couple of like I think there's two unsportsmanlike that. I cannot find. <laughs> My favorite moment from that was uh, Brock Heward was on the call, and he's good. He's very stoic, right? Like uh, very, 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 very sober and, and and logical. And he kept saying, "Like I don't hate this. I mean, I, I don't enjoy this. I hate this. I, I don't like the way this is being called. I wish they would let them play football." But they're being consistent. <laughs> like it's the Brock Heward way to say these morons are messing everything up. But at least they're doing it the same way yeah. over and over and over. I enjoyed consistency is a virtue. It was my second favorite <laughs> announcing job of the weekend. My first was Beth. My first is Beth Mowens. Who on... please keep her on late night forever. Absolutely. By the way, she's thriving. You can just hear the happiness in her voice. She's thriving. Yeah, like UCLA Wazoo, perfect moment, perfect announcer, somebody who just said, no, man, no one has to wear pants tonight. Let's go. Y'all want to get nachos? Let's get yeah, nachos. let's get nachos on air, man. Let's get Rocky Boyman to just go be weird down on the sideline. Rocky That's Boyman, what? on the other hand, I could use about 60% less of. You're getting nothing but 190% Rocky Boyman during that game. Ooh, he's like the you see a up. <laughs> All sliders are two one hundred in UCLA Wazoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second best performance was Brock Heward in that game, and his understated Brock Heward trying to be stentorian <laughs> while all this is going. I'm just saying these refs are set on stupid, but at least they've stayed on stupid the entire game. <laughs> it allows you, yeah, it allows you to orient yourself uh, around their decision making process. I want, right. I want to go back to one note on that UC that USC Utah game before it goes in the sunset, and it's this. Utah did exactly what they wanted to do. They crippled USC's starting quarterback on the second play of the game and lost. That's it. Like, like the thing they wanted to do, right? Like, first, we nuke every city. We'll we'll nuke every city. That's how it works. And that's what they did. And then guess what? The the country rebels. like. So so we, we nuke every city. That means we make every city look like Utah. Oh, no. Utah's fine. Utah's fine. Settle down. Utah's beautiful because all the people have been nuked. The, yeah, uh, so like Kyle Whittingham is standing there with his like keys to the game and he's pointing. It's like one, hurt somebody. <laughs> Two, leave the stadium because we've won the game because we hurt people. Yeah, don't don't commit sixteen penalties for a hundred and sixty <laughs> yards oh damn it i don't feel like utah cares much about penalties no i mean i think penalties, they thought, penalties go hand in hand with hurting people i think they thought they won it just so happens that matt 
Matt Fink came in and all of Utah's DBs forgot how to play football. They were out there like chasing balloons. All of them. Just head head on head on multiple swivels. I like Kate. the theory that USC's quarterback depth chart was upside down the entire time. And the further they go, the better they're gonna get. Oh shit. Right? Like week fifteen, it's like, you know. Uh, oh my God! It's it's Matt Leiner. He's been practicing this entire time. He's well, this incredible. This is how now. Larry's. They're digging to China. This is how Larry Scott finally breaks into the Asian market. Yeah, yes, we've got the whole. We've actually been on the other side of the world this entire time. Larry, you rake. Hey, Arkansas lost to San Jose State. What? Yeah. It in what? Football. Chad, what's happening, man? I think um, all of us on this podcast, or at least Chad Morris, uh, like we're positive on. I Chad enjoy Morris, Chad right? Morris. I am a Chad Morris enthusiast, as opposed to what the Razorbacks are, which is that they test positive for Chad Morris right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, so go, here no, is, go ahead. What's happening? Let's talk about it. Well, yeah. I, I was sort of, no, I was I was going to uh, uh, go along with all that, which is like, yeah. Uh. Chad Morris always approved, but now it's good God. So yeah. here's a question, and I think there are We're a couple obvious answers, and, along with potential other ones. What is the worst Arkansas team you can ever remember? John Ells. John Ells is real bad. This one though. So, John L. Smith's Arkansas team. Interim coach pulled out of Weber State, uh, <laughs> deep in dementia. Signed, by the way, signed to an eight-month contract. Yeah, and I will, you know, I don't know if, if if we're ready to quantify worst right up front, but I don't know if, if this team, that team was certainly a better viewing experience because you could always count on John L. Smith uh, to open his mouth. Yeah. And yeah. let words fall out of it. So, on the subject of best or worst, is that team that, like, the epitome of a college football renta team was ranked 66th in the Massey Composite, which piles together all the computer ratings. It's, like, the broadest possible way to rank teams. 66th, basically a nine-win MAC team. Not terrible. Just had some awful losses and a very goofy coach. 2019 Arkansas ranks 105th below Charlotte, Kent State, and Liberty. Arkansas has gone from being Toledo to being Liberty. And there's no scandal. Like nothing caused this. They just are that terrible. The other one that uh I thought might be thrown out as the worst Arkansas team of our lifetimes, of course, be the Jack Crow team, where Coach got fired about eight minutes into the season. That team, according to SRS, would be favored over 2019 Arkansas by four points. <laughs> SRS has this as the worst Arkansas team since 1945. That was World War II. Let's not count that. 1930. The worst Arkansas team since 1930, if you exclude, oh, I don't know, a little thing like a world war. It's pretty fucking bad. <laughs> also, here's here's another fun fact. The uh the list of power conference teams, San Jose State, which is a really bad program. Not uh, a good football team at all. No. The power, the current power conference teams, they have a winning record against are Arkansas and Texas Tech. That's it. From 1950 onward, the list is Arkansas, and that's it. Nick Starkle threw five picks, man. Five. 
after three, that's work. Right? You're like, what are you doing? Clocking in and throwing some picks. That's but they got it figured out. Did you see this? The uh he's he's apparently he's a big Justin Bieber fan. He's he's a college kid with a lot of personality. That's great. Somehow it's he's gotten it in his head that like the you know being a, being a fun guy who wears a Justin Bieber shirt to warm up is contributing to the interceptions and he's you know posted like I'm not going to do that anymore you know sorry everyone for having fun like come on man if you have to play for this terrible team please have fun in some way find some joy somehow right yeah like put wear wear a Justin Bieber jersey who cares that's my opinion on Arkansas. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that had anything to do with five picks. You know, however, there was a bright light in the SEC West quarterbacking. <laughs> oh, it's time for Jason to brag on his son, his <laughs> only son, Joe Burrow. The same beautiful bright light that has always been there, even though certain people chose to look at the wrong statistics last year, the deceptive statistics. Uh, Joe Burrow, your weekly stats rundown. Number one in passing yards per game versus winning teams. Number one among non-Pac-12 quarterbacks. Those don't count. That's 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 a different sport. In basically all other yard per game categories. Number one in passing touchdowns against Power 5 teams. Number two in passer rating. Number two in yards per attempt. A new school record for passing touchdowns in a game. Trash-talking Vanderbilt even before he got to it. <laughs> And then question after the game, what would you say to the Vandy bitch? He just said, uh, I, I complimented them for competing so hard or something like that. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> and number one nationally in completion percentage, currently on pace for the best in the history of college football. Joe Burrow, most accurate quarterback of all time. Dude, he couldn't hit 50% of his passes last year. Dude, he he shouldn't have because the the only games he won were when the, he didn't hit fifty percent. <laughs> that's that's when he was good. He was like a glorified running back last year, <laughs> and now he can't go for less than eighty percent, six TDs in a game and five hundred yards. A classic LSU's sixty-six to thirty whatever win. <laughs> I don't know if LSU's basketball team has scored sixty-six <laughs> points in the last three years. And they they put up 28 in the first quarter against Vandy. And Vandy's not good. I would like that to be clear. But do you know how hard it is to put up 28 points in a quarter? Like, unassisted, just 28 <laughs> productive points? You don't get that many possessions in a football game. LSU put up 66 goddamn points. Yeah, but what about Ohio State? They put up 42 I don't care. Yeah, they allowed They've five. They've done that. So. Yeah, they allowed five. They started off the game with a safety to Miami of Ohio. Yeah, loss. You lose. I like to think that was actually their act of pity towards Bo Schembechler, who attended Miami of Ohio, <laughs> that their little tribute was, yeah, Michigan, go ahead and take two points. You're going to need them. That's cute. It's like a, a little salute. It's like, yeah. thank, thank you for sending Bo to the big league so we could defeat him. Yeah, I salute Ohio State by punching 18-year-olds on the sideline. That's how I do it. And saying that five-year-olds are culpable in war crimes. That's how I honor Woody Hayes. Yeah, that happened. Hi, 
It's John Gennaro, executive producer of SB Nation's team podcast. The NFL season is finally here, and if you're anything like me, you're looking for a podcast that covers your team so you can get caught up on all the relevant news and opinions on your way to work or school. SB Nation has got you covered. We've created 32 NFL podcasts, one for each team's fan base, hosted by fans of that team. If you're looking for a deeper, funnier, nerdier, and more authentic podcast experience than anywhere else, you'll want to check it out. Not every NFL fan is the same, and SB Nation is here for the ones that want to hear about their team. Subscribe today and you'll get new episodes for news, game previews and recaps, in-depth analysis, and more. Find the podcast for your favorite football team at SBNation.com slash NFL podcast. That's SBNation.com slash NFL podcast.